0: Welcome to another UCTV.tv podcast presented by University of California Television. So, um, that's a really nice introduction. Um, a few things, John, the um, Jim and, um, and Klaus. So, if you do get an opportunity to hear those guys, I am a big fan of both of them. They're incredible. I mean, really exceptional people and, and exceptional entrepreneurs, and it's, it's um, they've got that amazing combination of being great people and being incredibly successful, and those are the guys I admire. So, if you can go see them, please do, because I'm a big fan. Uh, so, my intention is that tonight, I say one thing that impacts your orbit, that changes or, or alters your orbit in life that moves you forward. I will tell you some interesting and funny stories, but um, my intention is that each person get something out of tonight that makes a meaningful difference in your life that you can look back on, whether it's a week from now or a year from now or three years from now. So that's my goal, if I can do my job well. Um, I'm going to give you my background. John kind of gave it to you, but I'm going to weave some stories in too. Um, So I was a a gaucho. I um, am a sort of an alumni. They do send me alumni material because they're like, yeah, give us money. Um, But uh, I dropped out of school. And the reason I did is because I painted some graffiti on some jeans. I'm a designer. I'm an artist. I was a studio art major. Um, And... uh, I was just doing graffiti on jeans, and my sister wore them out, and a friend of her saw them and asked for a pair, and then her friend asked for a pair, and then she wore them into Nordstrom, and the manager saw them and wanted a pair, and then that manager, the buyer from Nordstrom's in San Francisco saw them, and the, my phone rang, and they said, wow, we saw these really cool jeans. You should come in and, and show us. But you got to remember, I was, I think, 18, maybe, yeah, I think it was 18, 19. I mean, zero clue whatsoever about anything related to business you know I had a ton of ideas super super creative Um, I think Lex Sisney spoke a week or two ago and he was he talks about uh, PS I love you producers stabilizers innovators and unifiers so I'm so far on the innovator scale and I also have a very strong unifying force I like people to work together and everything nice and happy and so generally I have a ton of ideas which I'll touch on but Long story short is Nordstrom bought... I showed them some jeans. I held them up to the buyer. And they were on cut-off Levi's that I got at thrift stores. And they said, sold. Pulled out a thing. Started writing an order. You know, what style number is that? So I... I, I, um, She's like, okay, you don't know what style number is. Okay, that's style number one. So she helped me along. And they put a trial of the jeans in the store. And they sold out. And then I got a call about a week later. Can you do ten times what you did? and deliver it in two weeks. And I, I, the only, like I said yes, which was really dumb because the, you know, we're talking hundreds of pairs of jeans that I had to find, wash, cut, and paint every single one myself. And I lived in a fraternity. <laughs> so we filled up my whole fraternity room with boxes. And I did it. And you know there's crazy parties going on. I was just going every day from... It was just, it was just constant. And I delivered, and those sold out. And then, okay, the story goes on. But, as you can see, in 1993, I was broke. So something that went sideways. And um, the, what went sideways is I didn't listen, I didn't ask my customers what they wanted. I thought I was so successful, I should make my own jeans because that's what Ralph Lauren does. And Massimo was starting at that time. And Stussy was just starting to click. And I was like, I'm going to be one of them. You know, I, They're my heroes. I'm going to go for it. So, I brilliantly started manufacturing my own jeans, and um, the stories, we could go into that one, are pretty extraordinary. My denim got stolen, the wash house didn't know how to do a sandblast, they blew through you know, sandblasted holes in my jeans, I mean, it was just a train wreck. The jeans I did have, which were about 50% of, of my manufacturing, I printed on, put them in the store, and they didn't sell stupid because I didn't ask my customers, hey, would you guys buy this product if I had changed the gene? Pretty simple question, right? I didn't ask. So I lost $25,000 of my family's money. I'm 22 now, broke, living in LA. I can afford to eat a bagel and I can afford to put gas into my car to go to my sister's house to eat and I work out of her garage. So pretty stellar start. And I was pretty beat up. And I um, was so pissed off that, and so disappointed in myself that I decided that I would do whatever it took to build a world-class company. It's was like, I don't care if I'm making screws. I was literally thinking, I'm going to do screws because it's the simplest thing you can do, right? Like a nail or a screw. I'm going to make the best fun... And this is true, by the way. I was going to make the best screws on the planet. Like, they are going to be designed great. They are going to, you know right? So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't care what it is, just anything. I'll do it. Well, conveniently, I got a little lucky, and I saw um, a uh, prototype video vision card, which was the early days of digitizing video into a computer. And I'll talk later about being a yes. If any of you guys saw me speak in March, I spoke about being a yes in life. I had been so beaten down, I'll sort of slide it in here. I'd been so beaten down that I realized that I just needed to be a yes to anything that showed up. You want to go to dinner? Yes. You want to meet a friend of mine? Yes. You want to do this course? This lady's really, oh yeah, I'm in. Um, I, went, you know, I went skydiving. I enrolled in courses. I, I, any people are like, oh, there's this really cool thing I'm going to. I'm like, I'm, I'm there. And my rule was, I'm a yes. I just will not say no. And what that resulted in was meeting somebody who changed the orbit of my life. Literally, completely, I'm married to the woman I'm married to because of being a yes. I live in Santa Barbara now because I was a yes. I started Fuel because I was a yes. I can trace it back to that. So i had failed. I was a yes. I sought a video vision card. I, st- I was a designer. I started doing layers of video. I started shipping my demo reel out, which was just a VHS tape. And I started getting work. And I am seriously compressing things. Um, E-Entertainment was the first client that gave me a chance, and I did a little five-second interstitial animation for them, and they came to my office, which was pretty funny. We need to see your operations, you know, make sure I actually had something going, which was barely. And they gave me a chance, and when I got my chance, I worked my ass off to make sure I could deliver and I did. And then they gave me another chance. And then I went to a trade show or conference, Broadcast Design Association. I saw the head lady at Showtime and the head guy at ESPN. And I just went up to them. And I was like, look, I got this company. Here's my demo reel. And I just stayed on them, not too bad. And they, they gave me chances. And over time, I built that company, which is called Fuel, into a about a 50-person firm um, our track in the year we sold was about $15 million in revenue, and, um, and we sold to a company called Razorfish. That's a really cool story in and of itself, and if we have time, I'll come back to it. Because um, that came out of left field. I actually didn't know you built companies, and I didn't, know you could, I didn't know you could build companies to sell them. I was building a company. I had no idea people actually sold companies. Never crossed my mind. It's totally true. I thought you built companies to do awesome stuff. And so my mission was just do insanely awesome, incredible, coolest shit on the planet. That was my existence. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't care. I really didn't care so much about the money. I just wanted to do awesome shit and prove that I could build a really beautifully run, beautiful company. And I did. And um, I sold it. And then I started launching things. I was like, I'm going to launch a magazine, then I'm going to launch a safety company, and then I got in partnership on photo albums, and I was trying to do all the stuff, and everything failed. I mean, miserably. I, mean, just, I was burning through money. I should have just lit on firing out a barbecue. I would have had a better time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I wasted a lot of years, and um, uh, one of the insights out of that was, unless you're under pressure and you have to deliver, you probably won't. You probably won't for me, this is for me personally, I should speak for me personally, what I notice my wiring is, I need to be cornered, and I need to have pressure, and I need to be boxed in. And I'll talk some more about that. Like, I was the guy who on, on finals, I would study at the very last minute. You know, I mean, the last night, and I would stay up all night. So that's just my wiring. I, don't, I just can't study that far in advance. I don't, it's what it is. And maybe why I dropped out. But, um... Eventually, in 2004, I started a nutraceutical company. I partnered with my best friend who was a gaucho who started Virgin Cinemas in Japan, who built it from a bedroom and nothing into, I think, I was 100, they sold it for $130 million. So he and I are thinking, great, we're really successful guys, we're really smart, and we've got money, so let's go start a company to make more money, which was another stupid move. And we burnt through, respectively, a few million dollars each of our own money. And um, it failed. I mean, dramatically failed. Just, just failed. And again, the reason it failed probably is because we didn't have to be successful. We could afford to fail. So when things got tough, we didn't go the extra 5%, 10%, 20%. You know, we tried to throw money at problems, which doesn't work. Um... Oh, yeah, I did lose $2 million. And then, um, so I went back to basics. I was kind of a little bit lost in, like, what do I love to do? And, And what my theme was, what my realization was, is the most important thing to me in life is beauty. Is anything I do has to be beautiful. Like, that's my ingredient. Like, that's my thing. I'm wired that way. I'm a designer. But it has to be beautiful. If it's not beautiful, I have this sense of... I'm just miserable, it has to be beautiful, so that's my ingredient, that's what gets me up at night, you know, that's what keeps me up at night, and so a lot of stuff was going on in the mobile space, and uh, I also happen to love uh, hospitality, and we started, a friend and I started a mobile company called Social Stay, which I'll talk some more about, and uh, that brings us to today. And by the way, and you can raise your hand at any time and interrupt. If I just sort of blow over something, you're like, hey, can you talk more about that? Please interrupt, because otherwise I'm just going to be talking and talking and talking the whole time. So um, so what SocialStay is, is it's it's a platform. It's a turnkey platform. And it basically is a lot like a printing press, right? You print in some materials, you hit go, and out comes these incredibly robust enterprise level applications. So we can generate an application in literally minutes. And the reason that's significant is for scale. And some of our clients are hotels you may know, the Hollywood Roosevelt, where they filmed Entourage this year, uh, the Sunset Marquis, Shangri-La, the Mauna Kea, the Canary, which is here in Santa Barbara. And I put a little asterisk next to it because today we launched a prototype of chat. And what it is is it allows you to text the hotel's front desk and text back and forth with businesses. So... Instead of just like you and I would text if we're friends, it allows you to text a business. Pretty simple. And um, so we're testing that right now for 30 days, and we'll see how that does. Um, Okay, so what I'm going to talk about today is so why be an entrepreneur, how to start a company, and then the tools of awesomeness. Um, So for me, as you kind of get a sense, um, I'm in it... I'm why I'm a. My motivation is not uh, my motivation for being an entrepreneur is sort of hardwired into me. I, I'm not that employable. I probably wouldn't work that well in a company. Um, I technically really haven't ever had a job, so I'm. You yeah, actually, yeah, I, haven't, I was a waiter and a busboy, and a dishwasher. And then, I, and then when I was 18, I was an entrepreneur, and I literally never had a, a normal job. I tried at Razorfish. That did not go over well. Good story, actually. So Razorfish buys my company, and they bring in a McKinsey consultant to run the L.A. office because that's what they need to do. Now they've got all this revenue and these disparate operating groups, and they got to bring in a consultant to bring it all together and make sure everybody integrates. Okay, so... so So, I'm running a company that's ridiculously profitable. Money to the bottom line. It's just just a machine, you know? We've got the best clients on the planet. My staff is loyal beyond anything, and they're the most incredibly talented people in the field, without a question. And that's verified today because all of them are running the top motion graphics companies in New York and L.A. right now. So, they bring in this consultant, And she says, okay, you're going to move in and you're not going to have your own office and you're going to do it this way. And I need your designers and you got to, you know, and I said, well, what do you know about the motion business? She's like, "It, you know, I don't need to know about the motion business. So long story short is they wouldn't give me an office. And you know, I got to have, when you're, uh, running a company, generally you're having private conversations with people. Like they might come into your office and say, Hey, look, you know what? I've got a you know, my father has cancer, I want to take some time off, I'm, you know, making that up, but, you know, you have conversations, or, hey, listen, you know what, you didn't really perform that well, you're fired, you know, conversations like that, so you generally want to have them in private, and so I was like, well, I, I want to have an office, and they wouldn't give it to me, so I went to Sears, and I got a, a 10, <laughs> because I thought, you know, well, I need my space, you know, so <laughs> it's true, it's genius, So I go, so Dan, Dan, this girl, Dan from Australia, I'll never forget her. um, She goes, um, I go, Dan, we got to get an office, man. We got to go to Sears. We got to get a tent. I'm thinking, I I walk it off. I'm like, one, two, that's 10 feet. We got to, we got to, yeah, 10 by 10, 10 by 10. I need a stand up door and maybe get some of those owls that they perch up. And maybe we get some like, maybe we get some like camping gear. So we do, we go, we go to Sears and we get camping gear and we get like all, and you got to remember I'm in the creative business, right? So we we, our clients are all the ad agencies, right? We're working on TV campaigns. We're working on network rebrands. We're working on, you know, it's like a creative company, right? So it's, anything goes. So we set up this cool tent in the middle and it's our, it's, it becomes our conference room in my office and it's, um, got one of those fold out benches, um, bench tables, picnic tables. And it actually worked pretty well, it and was, it was pretty neat, you know, so we put cables into it. So that was on like a third. that was on Thursday. So we set up, and everybody's like, comes down, sees, oh, that's really cool, you know, people want to work in there. It was really, it was really fun, it was really fun. Um, and by the way, we did, we had to move, the reason I did the tent, we moved into a building, I, we, when I had fuel, I built out a 10,000 square foot office that was in, um, like, all the architectural magazines. I'm talking a gorgeous office. beautiful concrete floors. Just, I mean, it was, it was insane. And they moved us out of it into the same building with them in the basement and moved nobody into our office. And we we're like, what are you doing? We, we you know, we want to stay in our office. Like, no, we must integrate. <laughs> so I figured a tent was a pretty good call. And um, so we set up the tent, Monday morning, I come in. There's no tent. And shit's all strewn around. My owls are knocked over. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess with my fucking owls. Um, Warning, by the way. Um, So uh, I'm like, where's my fucking tent, you guys? What happened? What's up? And they're like, dude, you are not going to believe this. I go, what? Stephanie, the McKinsey consultant, was so pissed off that she came in. This, I still, I'm not sure I believe this, took the tent down, wrapped it up, got on a freaking airplane, flew to New York with the tent to show the CEO and the management team what a problem I was. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing was, is it's true I was a bit of a problem, but I had an earnout, so I had to make my revenue numbers. And for those of you guys, I'm going to assume you know what an earn out is, but what it basically is they say, we're going to buy you and we're going to pay you, but we don't think you're going to hit your numbers. In fact, we think you're going to miss your numbers. So they tried to negotiate in the last day of my deal. They tried to say, we want to pay you less than we agreed to. And I was like, well, I'll do it. I'll take less than I agreed to if I can get more than we agreed to if I surpass my numbers. Fair. Done deal. So now it was like hunting season, right? So I was like, all right, I'm just going to sell the living crap out. I'm going to make so much money for them that I'm going to make a ton of money. And that's what I did. I blew our numbers away. They ended up paying so much more. It was absurd. And so I was in my earn out in that period. And so she couldn't really do anything. But the day my earn out was done and that was all, all done, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> And Stephanie was super excited. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry you to leave. That's terrible. Um, so I went, uh, I went to Cuba and Thailand and Cayman Islands and Italy and a bunch of other places. And then I came back three months later, and the, everything had just gotten absolutely messed up. And um, it, was, it, was, it was beyond repair. The company, in three months, was, it was, I'd lost a few of my key people. It just was a mess. So, I consider business more important. I consider being an entrepreneur, or being in business about who you become, not how much you make. How much you make is going to go up and down and fluctuate. It's a, money is a fallout of doing awesome stuff. If you chase money, and I can say this firsthand because I've lost millions of dollars that I really wish I had right now, chasing money. I've chased money, and I've chased and gone with my heart, and the heart's always won. So if you want to go ahead and lose money and chase money, do it. I strongly encourage it. It's a great experience. But if you want to shortcut a little bit, trust your heart. Like, really trust it. And it's, I'm still learning it. I've had some very hard lessons in the last few months, really. And I'm realizing I, it's something you're going to always have to learn. Like always te- you're always being tested. Is this the right path? Is that the wrong path? So, so you want to be an entrepreneur. I already said don't do it for the money. Not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. It is re- it's romantic. Oh, look how cool it is to be an entrepreneur. All that stuff. But do it because you are compelled. Do it because you are a, maybe a misfit like I slightly am. Or, or maybe you can't stand normal, you know? Something, you just don't want to be boxed in. You just don't fit, you know? For me, I'll talk a little bit about, no, I'll talk about that later. Do because you want to um, You know, another great reason to be an entrepreneur is if you see an injustice that you know fundamentally in your core that needs to be righted, a wrong that needs to be righted. That is a, that is a powerful reason to be an entrepreneur. That's the right reason to be an entrepreneur. Right a wrong. You see, see an injustice, Fix it. You be the one to do it and get ready for an awesome ride. Because if you really profoundly feel there is an injustice, that's a worthy game. That's worth fighting for. And you will have to fight. I have not met... Uh, yeah, I have not met an entrepreneur that I admire that has not been through extraordinary challenge. I just... I, I'd find me one and it would... Well, there's probably, they're probably out there. Um... And also the reason I'm doing it, because I have something to prove. The reason I did fuel was because I was so pissed off that I had failed in the genes and was so embarrassed that I was like, I'm going to prove that I can be a good entrepreneur. So if you have something to prove, great reason. And the why you are an entrepreneur is going to become very important later. So... What are the qualities of an entrepreneur? One, you've got to be able to manage yourself. This is, being an entrepreneur is like a uh, self-development course in yourself. Does that make sense? You almost have to do a course on yourself. So you've got to find a way to stay focused, to stay on track. Very hard for somebody that's a big innovator that has a lot of ideas. Very hard. Because once you dive into an idea, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great... And all of a sudden, you're nowhere. Second... The number one ingredient, if there's anything you took out of today, is follow through. You guys have a bad rap out there in the business world. Yesterday, I got a freaking earful from some business people in Santa Barbara. And they said, I don't know what is up with these kids. (laughs) They don't, they just don't get it you know their work ethic and their follow through and their this and I was like whoa 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 cool it they're students they're not supposed to be <laughs> professionals yet in the business world whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're an employee whether you're in the business world the ability to keep your word and follow through is the number 1 skill that you need to sharpen and focus while you're in school that's it the, guy, the people I love to work with is when I say, this has got to happen, they're like, yep, got it, and it's handled. Those, and on every level of business, I've never met an incredibly powerful business person who doesn't keep their word. It's just so inconsistent. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. But what you guys don't know is that that's the secret ingredient. If you want to move, if you want to grow, if you want to be very successful in any industry, I don't care what industry it is, keep your word. Keep your word not like you have to, but keep your word like a discipline. And you'll never be perfect. It's an exercise. It's, a, it's something to bang in against all the time. Another ingredient, stamina and persistence. You will want to quit as an entrepreneur. I was telling John walking in here, I have wanted to quit and close social stay a thousand times. Maybe more. Daily. But I return back to what I'm committed to. Your mind wants you to weasel out. It wants you to quit. When you're challenged, if it's a physical challenge like climbing Mount Everest or if you're an entrepreneur, your mind will speak very loudly to you in the background. You can't do this. You're not good enough. You don't have enough money. You're out of money. This isn't going to work. Customers don't want to do it. You should be doing this. You really should have been an actor. No, you should have been a screenwriter. You know what? Now's really the right time. You know, whatever. Your brain just goes cuckoo. So when you're boxed in, as an entrepreneur, you've got to learn how to deal with being compressed pressure. And your ability to keep your word to others and yourself is is huge. The other thing which I'll talk about is your ability to transform problems into opportunities. How good are you when shit goes sideways? I can You want to know the true test of somebody? Find out who they are when shit's hit the fan. Now you know their character. Anybody can be nice. Anybody can bluff. Anybody can talk about how awesome they are. They are awesome when shit has not gone right. Who are you when stuff doesn't go right? Examine it. Think about times in your life when stuff didn't work. You know, were you bitchy about it? Did you complain about it? Did you give up? Did you blame other people? This is what you're going to do when you're in business, and you got to take that really seriously. That is your work. You know how I talk about business as spirituality? That's your work. That's your sharpening of your character. Examine yourself. How am I being about this? How am I dealing with this challenge? Am I rising to it? A lot of people. When you're an entrepreneur, a lot of people. A lot of. I laugh because there's this, this a good story. My brother-in-law said to me, and he's this great guy. He said to me, "You know, Seth, this is when I was doing fool. You, you, you know, you should really consider not. You, know, you should fold it because you know you don't want to end up like da 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 da." da you know. My father who's a uh, sort of a poet philosopher. is like, you know, Seth, you shouldn't be so stressed out. Have you ever thought maybe you know, maybe not doing that would be good? Uh, everybody, people who really care about you because being an entrepreneur can be really, really hard w- will at times either encourage you to quit, tell you to get a job. Maybe you should choose a different path. Maybe you should stabilize things first. And when you get a job and you stabilize and you have some money, then you can be an entrepreneur. That is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard in my life. And the reason it is, because an entrepreneur is a great entrepreneur when their back is cornered, when they have no other option, that's when an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs, in when things are good and you have money and you, you've raised a bunch of money, and it, people do stupid shit. When you are cornered is when an entrepreneur finds out who they are. So the last thing you want to do is try to get a stable situation locked down. You're sort of pulling the wind, the motivation out of your sails. You know, I, I was saying today earlier to a group of few students, I would bet on the guy who's cornered any day than the guy who's got a ton of money. Every time I'd bet on that guy, because he's, he's got to survive. He's, he's, a, he's got to fight his way out. When you've got money, man, you can, do, you can make mistakes like there's no tomorrow, and you can act like you have your shit together. When you're cornered and you have nothing, you either produce the result or you don't. You don't, you're dead. The guy who's money doesn't produce the result. Still got more money to play with. Let me try something else. Very interesting way to compress things. And you're going to have to return to why am I doing this? Why Why am I suffering through this? And... You're going to, have to find, you're going to have to find it for yourself, and you're going to have to find it for your team, and you're going to have to find it for your staff. You're going to have to find it when your staff goes, what the fuck are we doing, man? You have to find the why. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's why it's so important to do something you really believe in versus doing something to try to make money. So how do you find an idea? Is it the right idea? And how I can be sure that it'll work? So these are, now I'm going to get very practical on what I do with ideas. So how do you find an idea? Well, ideas are a lot like exercising. The more you play around with ideas and and you write them down, uh, the better. The quality of your ideas are actually going to improve. So get your brain working. Start finding ideas everywhere. I mean, that's kind of the way I'm wired. I'm like, oh, shit, you know. In airports, it'd be really cool if on the walls they had advertisements that were chairs that folded down because I've noticed in San Francisco that people are always standing and they're always looking for seats. Wouldn't that be cool? It's a cool fucking idea. It'd work. Nobody's doing it. I'm not going to do it. But it was a cool idea and I took it through a process that I'm going to take you through. So you need to find problems that need solving. So if you're in the environmental field or you're a cause-related oriented person, find a problem that needs solving that resonates. If you're a designer like I am find a problem if you're an athlete stand up paddle surfer windsurfer there's a little problem you know with windsurfing harnesses that need to be fixed it's a great problem to fix because you're passionate about it not so good for me but find problems in the area that you're passionate about and if you can't just do stuff that you love to do because the problems will come find you that you can solve if you're entrepreneurial so Write ideas down, write as many. Get, your, get as many ideas going as you can. And so this is how I evaluate an idea. This is a kind of a, a lead-up into an executive summary. So when I get an idea, because I get so many ideas and I don't want to act on them or distract myself, I have this form that I fill out. And so I sit down and I answer these questions. And I literally just do it on my computer really quick. And the reason I do it is because if a few months later the idea comes back to itch me, then I'm like, oh, maybe I should pay attention to that. And If it come, then it comes back again. Maybe I should pay attention to that. Maybe I should. so. It's a good way to sort of like storehouse ideas, and also it's a good way to exercise your brain. So, what what's the idea? So let, we'll use. Um, anybody have a business they want to? We'll put this through or idea for business they want to put this through. Because I'm going to choose something really bad. Anybody? Okay, great. Oval tennis balls, great. So what's the idea? Oval tennis balls. Does it solve a clear problem? Does it fix something that you feel is broke? Well, I feel like tennis is boring because the balls don't go sideways. I think it'd be more interesting if when the balls hit the court, you didn't know which way they were going, right? Because I think that's really important. Because I, I love tennis, but it needs to be more exciting. Um, really, that's stupid, but... Um, who is it for? Ah, oh, That's a pretty small audience that wants to play tennis like that. Okay, do I really know the audience? Well, yeah, I guess I kind of do because I, I like tennis. It's best if you build, you know, it's best if you're solving a problem that you know you would use and, and you have to ask yourself, would I, really need, would I really need it? You know, what problem does it solve? How do I solve it? Right? So we'll actually put this, let's use the chair, the airport chairs because that tennis ball is a terrible example. Um, what's the idea? Air, chairs in airports against the wall that have advertising then flop down, super space efficient so that people can sit when it's overcrowded. Okay, does it solve a clear problem? Does it fix something you feel is broke? Yeah, I actually do feel it's broke. It pisses me off when I get off the airplane and people are all crowded around because they have no place to sit. Um, do I, who is it for? Well, it's people at airports. Do I really know the audience? Yeah, I travel in airports. Um, okay, yeah, I would use it. And what problem does it solve? It solves people being overcrowded, not having a place to sit. So how do I solve it? Well, I would make chairs or I would partner with a chair company or, huh, God, and then, and then I would have to probably partner with an advertising company to sell the space. And then how how does it make money? Well, advertising. And are there competitors? Now, this point I put an asterisk on because I had so... It, I do it, so you know when you're, you're researching an idea you're like, I got the greatest idea chairs in airports, right and then you go online you do the research and you're like, god damn it, somebody else doing it ah, fuck it I'm like, no, no that's a great sign, there's a business that's, that's what you're looking for. You want competitors. You want... I can't tell you how many times entrepreneurs I know, including myself, are so tempted when you find competitors to shrink back. Oh, God, they're doing it. They beat me to it. Oh, man. Oh, there's 20 people in the space, right? How many times have you guys thought of an idea, went online, saw it online, saw somebody else doing it, saw them doing it really well, and saw like 10 other people doing it really well, right? Now, at a certain point in time... Maybe you should take a clue, right? But that being said, you'd be surprised how much room there is in every market for competitors, for improvement, for doing it better. You don't know if those companies are making money. You don't know if they're hemorrhaging money. You don't know if you walked in, they would hand it to you and say, we just don't want to be in the business. This is not our core business. We don't, you know, you never know point is, is that when you find somebody who's a competitor in the space, the way I look at it, okay, good. Now I have somebody to study. I have, I can try to figure out what revenue they've got. They must see something, right? So, uh, is what I'm doing different? Is there a twist? Well, mine were going to be a twist because I was going to make them out of rattan and, uh, everybody else is doing plastic. And why won't it work? Ask yourself the question, why won't it work? Well, it won't work because manufacturing the chairs are too expensive. Uh, maybe it won't work because the airports won't allow it. Maybe it won't work because people think it's bad advertising to put advertising under your butt. You know, I don't know. I've come up with all the reasons why it won't work. Then what resources surround me? What people or relationships do I have in my network that might be, resor- be good here? Oh, shit, my mom knows a chair guy. Whoa, I, d- I didn't... Re- wow, okay, my mom. My mom's a great resource, by the way. Um, she's, uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And, and uh, I realized today, I was texting with a friend in New York. True story. And she works at Teen Vogue and is in charge of all their events, which is a perfect client for social stay. So I'm texting a good friend of mine, not really thinking. I'm like, your wife works at Teen Vogue and does all the events nationally, and internationally. And she does it, right? She's like, yeah. I was like, you should be interested in that center. And he, all of a sudden... You know, I have a call with Condé Nask next week. Really simple, right? It's, in front, it's right in front of you. Everything's right in front of you. People are right in front of you. The resources are right in front of you. Once you start to focus your mind, you'd be surprised on who's around as a resource. And why does this resonate? Why does this fit me? I personally feel this is important because I think it's important to, to find things that are fit. Where, where's my fit in here? So if I was gonna do chairs in an airport, they would be gorgeous. <laughs> Because desi- it's design-related, right? So that does fit. That's something I can get behind, right? I really hate the advertising sales part, though. That sucks. So i was okay, i probably going to need help with that part. Um, so that's a cool little... That's, that's my self-evaluation of ideas, how I go through it. And then I have, I have a folder on my computer. I have probably 40 or 50 of them. I have a train that I had a train idea that there should be this train that does this, this, and this. And then I had an agriturismo resort, which would bring bring in the idea from Italy. And then I have technology ideas. I have, it it just, my brain goes, you know. But it's a great exercise. So is that valuable for you guys? In terms of, like, helping you think through whether an idea is, you know, valid. So what happens if you think you got something? You guys think you have an idea. I know a lot of you guys are in... um, either going to enter uh, the, the competition or have are already started a company or are thinking about starting a company or maybe it's your second company. Some variation on the theme or someday want to start a company. So let's say you've got something. So remember I talked about fuel, how I went out and spent a ton of money manufacturing jeans and lost a bunch of money? So the reason I did is because I didn't go talk to my customers. So the fastest path to know if your idea is even valid is just go talk to customers, right? So in the case of the chairs that that, um, are at the airport, who would my customer be in that case? Or who could the customers be? Aggravated flyers. Mm Mm-hmm. Aggravated flyers, for sure. For sure. Who else would my customer be that I probably am going to have to talk to? That's right. I didn't think of that, by the way. Advertiser, that's right. Okay, who else? Airport? Right. Okay, so i got three customers i got to talk to, right? And i got to float an idea by them. Because manufacturing chairs conveniently is really freaking expensive. So that's good, because now i gotta really, I got to do the work. Even if your idea is inexpensive, you still want to do the same steps. Who's your customer? And i got to go talk to them. So, well who you don't want to talk to is your family because they really are so biased it's absurd and you're going to get generally incredibly bad advice because it's biased, not because they're not smart, because it's biased. My mom has two PhDs. She is probably the smartest woman I've ever met and I will not pitch an idea to her because I, you know, it's just, there's, it's just the wrong dynamic, you know what I mean? Friends suck second most, that is a technical term, <laughs> because they're biased beyond belief. Advisors and business people in the community are also biased, something I learned, which I didn't want to believe, because they, they have it through, they've got enough experience, they've been around the world, they've done certain kinds of business, maybe they've been in the service business, this business, and they have a point of view on your idea, You're young, and your ideas may go over their freaking head. So, problem. So the only people who are probably going to give you good input are going to be a potential, real, valid paying customer, right? So we got to go talk to advertisers, but I think before we go talk to the advertisers, we should probably talk to the aggravated flyers. I I say we talk to aggravated flyers first. So you go to the airport, and you go, oh, wait but they're going to steal my idea if I tell them, right? I can't, I can't tell people my idea. I mean, that's a great idea. Chairs in a freaking airport. I could patent that shit, right? I could retire. I could be like the guy who invented the dots on the road, you know, where you, the bumpy things. And I, I don't even have to freaking work. So I'm not going to share this idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do patents on this um, because chairs at airports, um, nobody's yeah nobody's doing it so I'm clearly the smartest man on earth because I thought of it so I'm going to patent it and but I'm not going to go tell anybody man you are so screwed now your, your idea is never going to happen now I'm not saying you shouldn't legally protect your ideas especially when it comes to science and more complex solutions don't hear me wrong if you have highly complex solutions that do require patents there is a time and place so this is not a blanket statement but a lot of people I hear in, in the previous talk be like, wait, wait, but aren't people gonna steal my idea? I have this really cool idea, people are gonna steal it. Yeah, well, you're so busy worrying about they're stealing it, they're gonna steal it. So you better get, get on with it. You guys have, I mean, people have it so wrong, like, I've got the greatest idea. I am the greatest. Ideas, you know, the, saying that ideas are a dime a dozen, they're probably cheaper because it all, it's all about execution. And when you're, I'm totally guilty of this. I, am, I love ideas. I think an idea, a great idea is like a piece of art should be put on a frickin' mantle over here as an idea. And that just thinking of the idea was enough. And I really, I really have lived my life like, Ideas are the greatest thing ever. That, that the, what's, the hard part is coming up with the idea. Why? Because I'm a creative. So I value ideas. Go talk to an engineer, and they're like, what, the, what are you talking about? Talk to my CTO, and he's like, what? I don't get it. So point is, in business, it is all about execution. Remember how I said about keeping your word? Well, guess what? To make shit happen, you've got to follow through. So there's your entire equation to success. That's it. There is no anything else. That's your, if you want to know the secret to being successful, it is on that slide. And there's, you can read a billion books. There's no way around it. There's no frickin' fairy well, godmother that I'm aware of. Could be. You can invent one, but there really isn't. <laughs> be careful how magical you think the idea is and get on with it. The guys I admire are the guys who can take an idea and execute. I don't admire guys who sit there and go, and I don't think you do. Oh, yeah, I had that idea. Oh, I totally thought of that. Well, how much did it make you? How successful was it? Did it end up in the world? Did people experience it? No, 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 no. All that matters on a football field is points scored. It doesn't have to look pretty, but you got to get it in the end zone. So don't be falling in love with your uniform on the sidelines. You know what I mean. I, I like Oregon's uniform, but it doesn't win them games. I actually, technically, maybe it was. But anyways, uh, so follow through. That's it. So everything else I say from here on out, you can totally ignore. That's the secret ingredient. So, but I got so I'm, I got to go talk to people about chairs, right? So do I? I need an executive summary, and I need a prototype. I need like CAD. I got to show them what it's how it's going to work, right? Because i I got to go talk to the guy in the airport. How's he going to know what I'm talking about? You actually just go talk to him and go, hey, listen, you're, try- you're not trying to show him the product. You're trying to figure out if he has a problem. You guys got it? You're finding problems because you don't know what the product looks like. Your goal is, is your ID an aspirin or a vitamin? So... Is it a nice-to-have or a must-have? So when you have... um, Anybody take... I mean, I take vitamins. Okay, I take vitamins. Anybody take vitamins? Okay, right. So if you miss taking your vitamins, odds favor there's going to be very little impact. Right? Generally. Unless it's a really powerful freaking vitamin. Right? And if it was, it would be a drug. That's all I I spent three years in nutraceuticals, so... Um, I had some interesting experiences. Um, (laughs) Europe, they call it a drug. Here, they call it a vitamin. Here, they call it a vitamin. Europe, they call it a drug. Literally, there's products on the shelf you can buy as a vitamin here that are considered drugs in Europe and vice versa. Strange, but true. So your goal is to find out, are you solving a problem that's like an aspirin or a vitamin? Because if you think about it, when you have a headache, man, you do crazy shit. You know, you're like, all right, I had a headache you get all kind of psycho, you know, oh man, oh, where's the, you know, and you start to you start behaving crazy. Like I did this the other day. I was going through the cabinets and I couldn't find the aspirin. They were sitting right in front of me. I, had, I, I thought I was going to get a migraine or something. I'd had like 12 coffees, right? So I was like, oh, my head hurts. <laughs> so I was doing stupid stuff. You do, you, when you have a problem, you want to solve it, right? If it hurts enough, you want to solve it. That's the game you're in as an entrepreneur. But if you're trying to solve a problem that's a vitamin, people don't really give a shit. They're like, oh, that's nice. That'd be good for me. Hmm, That's nice. Now, we had this realization at Social Stay recently. We went, holy shit, we're selling a vitamin. I wonder why that's why people have no urgency to pay for it. They're not jumping out of their seats. They're not... You know, it's, it, it's, it, we're pushing, 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 and the results aren't there. What's going on? And we, you know, we're, we've been selling a vitamin, and we've been calling it a, an aspirin. Does that make sense? So an aspirin addresses an immediate pain, an immediate need. There's urgency. You'll pay for it, and you want that goddamn problem to go away. So now we're going back to the guy who's standing in SFO. Hey, dude, how long have you been standing for? 30 freaking minutes. My legs hurt. Okay. Pissed. pissed. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, lady next to dude who's pissed off. Uh, how long have you been staying for? Uh, like 30 minutes. I can't believe his flight's late. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. That's my best lady pissed off airport information. <laughs> Hence why I'm not an actor, and that's why I'm talking to you. Um, so now maybe I'm starting to get a sense, oh, this seems to... Th- if they had a chair there, they might actually use it. Okay, so that's enough pain for me, more or less. Um, somebody asked about a survey earlier. don't know where you are. You are asked about doing surveys. Go talk to customers. Read their body language. I met with one of our clients recently, and I sat her down, and I said, so, with social stay, let's cut the crap. Because we're, we're friends, and you're going to be nice to me but I don't want you to be nice. Is social stay nice to have or do you really need it? If I take it away today, is this, is, are you going to get yelled at or will anybody notice? She goes, oh, that's nice to have. Go, Thank you. That's what I need. I need that information. I need that information because the answer is, I, no, I don't care. I'm just walking through here. I just don't really need to sit down. I, don't, I wouldn't use them. Nobody, you know, and I could stay in an airport for an hour and watch that really nobody really needed to sit down. Maybe, maybe, not, maybe not a problem I need to solve. Maybe I need to go to... I'm at the wrong airport. Or maybe, I'm at, maybe it's bus stations. Or maybe it's stadiums. I don't know. So I'm not going to give up. I'm just realizing maybe at that airport, that time I didn't get the input I needed. Or maybe it's going to be really clear. So now we've got to go talk to... Not advertisers yet, right? Airport. airport. Hey, airport people. Managers of airport. Would... Um, can we put chairs on that wall? Oh, absolutely not. Why not? Well, the fire code requires us to have 20 feet width that when da 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 needs to have a radius so that people come out if there's a fire, you know, whatever. Okay? So you need to find that out. We're like, oh, I didn't, we never thought of that. That's interesting. So you need that information. Then you go to an advertiser, or not to an advertiser like a brand. Maybe you go to a company that sells billboard space. Because Do you guys need more space to sell? Because if you could sell more space, would that be valuable to you? So you see how you're just sort of getting a piece of information to move the ball along? You haven't spent any money and you just talked to people. So now you've set yourself up because all you had to do was go out and you had to explain the idea in about 30 seconds. You can maybe use a metaphor. Yeah, you know how like in movie theaters the seats fold down? Same thing, just against the wall, but really small. That's all you got to do. You don't need a deck, you don't need a prototype, you don't need anything. If you can't sell with your hands or your voice you don't understand your problem well enough. Pretty simple. Tell them that it solves a problem. So here's the problem. I noticed that you guys have waits of average of 30 minutes and people are pissed off when they get on the airplane. I've noticed that. And this solves that problem. And is that do you think that's a, a problem for you, Mr. airport person, customer? They're going to see yes or no. And then listen. Read, watch their body language. Read between the lines. See what they're, gonna, what they're really saying. And, uh, and then there's this uh, really cool video online. This paper prototyping. Uh, it's on Startup Lessons Learned, the case study of Nordstrom Innovation. You guys will have access to this deck afterwards, I believe. Cool video. Quick prototyping, rapid prototyping video. I enjoyed it. Watched it last week. It's a really cool, cool thing to watch. But then you say, well, listen, my idea is so awesome, people, they can't possibly know they're going to need it until they can see it and touch it, and they'll know when they see it, you know? And you're right, just like Henry Ford said, if I asked customers what they wanted, they would have said they wanted a faster horse, because they couldn't imagine it. So the key question here is, is what you're doing expanding on an existing behavior, or does it require a completely new behavior? So cars, when they were invented, right, you had carriages with horses, Pulling them. So the behavior was I get in a vehicle and I go from A to B. There was an improvement on an existing behavior. Not that big of a leap, right? Didn't require rocket scientistness. Well, it required some, some you know, and a hell of a lot of ingenuity, but there was an already existing behavior that he saw he could improve upon. Now, if you guys, when you're doing like an entrepreneur uh, there conversation earlier, somebody was saying, they came with an idea to me and they said, We'll see, then this person goes to this store over here and then they pick it up and then the store owner gives it to them and we ship it there and I was like, wait a minute, there's, these are new behaviors. That's not the business they're in. If you're trying to re-alter the way the world works and create a new behavior, you got a serious uphill climb. Serious uphill climb. I've tried it, it did not work. Uh, so now you've got a clear idea, right? The chair. You've distinguished that there's a pain point, Right? Now is a really good time to write that executive summary, right? You can write it really fast because you can write it from experience. If you can't... I've I've worked with some students from UC Santa Barbara who worked at Social Stay. Um, When you write an email or any business communication, write it for a 10-year-old. Simple and short. There is, I don't know why this is. The, the length of emails correlates to the degree of how busy and successful you are. Like JJ, how long were his emails? Four words. Four words. Got it, see ya Tuesday. Another guy uh, I really admire, his emails, I've never seen an email that's gone beyond two sentences. A lot of people in New York, I was talking to a friend of mine when I was out in New York, saying that, in, uh, in a lot of the, the really quick-moving media agencies, they don't write emails. They use the subject, li- the subject line as the email. Right? So you, I've had students write these really crazy emails, and I, I, I wouldn't have gotten past, like, two words. And I'm telling you, if you send people who are busy emails that are longer than four or five sentences, it's over. It's like, why do I want to deal with you? You're taking too long, and you can't get to the goddamn point. So you want to be effective, get to the point. That's how it is out there in the world. That's who you're dealing with. The higher degree of success, the shorter and to the point you got to get fast. So executive summaries, I'm a big fan of Guy Kawasaki's uh, in particular. uh, I follow that model. When I write my executive summaries, he, they're not, I got an executive summary today from a company up in Washington. Washington. Uh, and they do um, call, uh, prepaid calling cards. Yeah, it's like call it prepaid calling cards for all intents and purposes. And they've been around since 1992. And um, it pissed me off. So just get to the goddamn point. I don't need business language. Like, show me how goddamn smart you are. What problem are you solving? It's annoying as shit. You know, times have changed, you know? Twitter, get it, you know, it's like 140 characters. And there's an exercise, write a business plan in 140 characters. That's a good challenge. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what you're dealing with. If you can't explain it in a tight format, you're wasting people's time. So how do I assemble a team? This was a question brought up today. So you got an idea. I've got my chair idea. I've talked to some people. I've identified there's a problem. I, I've gotten kind of a sense that there could be real buy-in here from all my customers. I've written my executive summary. The problem is that 2.6 million people go through SFO a month and 50% of them have no place to sit. That's the problem I've identified. And more so, the average wait is 30 minutes. Okay, so clear problem. Solution, chairs that fold out and are paid for or, or, or uh, make money because they have advertising on it. Well, now I've got a vision. I've got a problem. I've got a solution. I've right? got my executive summary. Now I've got to get people to help me to execute. So when you're a startup, generally, you're know, like, well, how the hell am I going to afford these people? How do I find the right people? Where are they? So generally, they're going to come from, your starting point's going to be people around you, your network, and you're going to ask people. So this is what I do. Hey, you know anybody? I asked John, actually. John, do you know any CTOs? John said, Talk to, I'm making this up, Klaus. Talk to Klaus. Klaus, do you know CTOs? Then he says, go talk to that person. I talk to that person. Then they say, talk to that person, that person. And then I say, oh, I'm having this event. If you guys know any CTO-type CTO technical, invite them to this event. I gotta, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody. And the universe works in magical ways. People come... You'll find out. There's so much magic that goes on as being an entrepreneur. You can say, I need a designer and all of a sudden the designer will show up. And this just happens for me all the time. So, your network. Two, post an ad. Craigslist, amazing. I mean, it's pretty much, there's nothing you can't find. And and people really do look there and highly qualified people really do look there. And I've used it Very, very successfully. And then I said, put it out there. Meaning that literally tell everybody, hey, you know, it's great meeting you. Um, Hey, by the way, um, you're in the tech field, right? Do you happen to know any CTOs? Your closest person you'll find will be based on your proximity and the conversations you have. So have the conversations. And how do you pay them? You don't have any money. Well, you better have a goddamn good vision because you're selling, right? So I got this idea, okay? 50% of people in SFO have no place to sit. And we could generate $38 billion. <laughs> All right, I overshot. It's $38 million. <clears throat> All right, I'm not so good with finances. But we could generate $38 million based on my projections because 50% of people who are in SFO don't have a place to sit. The average wait is 30 minutes. SFO has agreed to be part of a pilot program. I think we can get advertisers because they've said that they're always looking for more space. I've talked to some, whatever your conversation is, right? And I'd love you to come on board as the chief engineer, but I can't pay you. So how does that sound? (laughs) And then the person who, if they buy the vision, is going to go, all right, sounds cool. That's what they're probably going to say because it is a cool idea. And they're going to say, well, and I, and I might say something like, well, I've reserved 20% of the company for employees and you being one of the early founders, one of the early, not founders, yeah, sure, early founders, why not? I'm going to, I have a 20% allocated, so we're probably going to allocate, you know, it might be a point to 10 points depending on your role, but, you know, we're going to have to figure that out. So if, if that sounds in the ballpark, let's continue to talk about it. If not, do you know anybody else? That's how it looks. That's how it looks for me. That's how it looks for you. That's how you do it. So, how do you pay them? You share a big vision, and you guys—if you guys are aligned on where you're going, and that you're both gonna, you know, you're both able to make it happen within your means, and they can work for free for a bit, then great. So, how do I know that uh, it's time to actually get to work and actually do this thing? Now, I've, I've done a lot of research here. How do I know, like, I'm gonna pull the trigger? Actually, I'm kind of excited about the chair thing now. Uh, Michael. Um, uh, You know it's time to go, and a customer says, so when is it going to be ready? We'll pay you for it. I learned a really hard lesson. Conveniently, you get to benefit from it. Um, When we rolled out Social Stay, we got a lot of beta clients to sign on for free. Because it's beta and it was free. Um, you cannot get valid feedback from anybody you're giving anything to for free. Invalid. Totally invalid. Partially, no actually, partially valid. They can give you ideas, but it's still not valid because like, oh, we'd love to have this feature. We'd lo-, you know what we'd love? Is that button on the left, it would work way better on the left. Are you willing to pay for it? No, no, we're getting it for free. Totally invalid feedback. They're not a paying customer. If they were a paying customer and said to me, that button on the left would be a lot better, totally valid feedback. Because they're paying for it. They see the value in it. You know, it's funny. You give somebody something for free, um, guess what they're going to want next time? Free. And then when you say, oh, it's $2,500, it's $5,000, they blow their fucking lids. What? That is so expensive. Well, speaking for our company, we didn't demonstrate value because they were getting it for free. So they felt like free and value, we're getting it for free. Why should we really put that much effort into it? Funny thing is our paying clients kick ass with our platform. Generate revenue for the hotels, works great. None of our free clients have kicked ass. They have no vested interest. Careful when you give shit away for free. That's all I can say. You know, people, it's funny, like in the design business, people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this logo for free and then like I'm going to get tons of exposure and PR value. Yeah, you're smoking something because it ain't going to happen. It's like, you know what? I'm going to, someday my prints will come. I mean, I can't tell you a hundred times I've seen, I've never seen a free pitch work out. You know, I pitched every major television network on TV. Pretty much, give or take. See, my billion part, you can kind of start to see where my billion math is starting to crisscross. But it's, I've pitched a lot of them. So when the the guys who are cheap up front, who want stuff for free, who want favors, who want you to do stuff, guess what? It's only going to get worse, because right in the beginning of a romance, that's when they're at their best behavior. And if their best behavior is free, you are screwed. You're going to be in a lot of free work. Okay, so investors, what do they care about? John, I'm sure, covers this a lot. This is just something I've seen. Uh, this is regurgitated a billion times, but this is true. One, is there a clear problem? You, can, you could land an investor... I landed an investor at a barbecue with no deck. I just landed him, and, he, and he's like, 150 grand. i am in. We're just having... At a barbecue, just drinking a beer. Be, how? It's really... You don't need... If you, again, if you can't explain it... Then, then you probably don't understand it or you haven't thought it through yet. So I just sat to him. I said, look, here, here's the problem. You know you have a mobile phone, right? He's like, yeah. You travel a lot, right? He's like, yeah. Go, yeah. Well, so have you ever noticed that um, you, know, you go into the hotel and then you've got to search the web and you've got to find them And then once you do find them, then this. And I, took him, I just walked him through like, how he travels. And he's like, yeah, it pisses me off. So we solved that problem. I was like, really? So Because I knew he was a traveler and we solved this problem. So that was my pitch. I didn't get into, like, lingo or anything. I just said, you need you have this problem, right? Well, we have the solution. And that's all you needed to hear. So the number one thing people want, there's got to be a clear problem, clear solution. Ideally, customers, especially especially depending on what phase of, of capital you're raising. Yeah, please. Doesn't that get rid of some, like, it presents, like, an informal you know, way of speak? You know, does that lend towards your, like, credibility or incredibility? I have a differing view on credibility. Um, I am not probably, I'm so biased towards informality that my advice is going to be so swayed that way. But my experience, is, all I can share is what I've experienced, is that if I have an investor who's too formal, I don't want that investor because I wouldn't hang out with him. And I, he's probably going to be a pain in the ass. And the reason is because it's happened to me. I've taken investors that have grinded me through the frickin', you know, I would love to see the financial projections. Okay, great. Got them to you. Of course. Of course, you, of course I'm going to give that to you. Okay, got it. You know, Seth, um, I was looking at line three, uh, and I was thinking about, you know, and then they start getting into the minutia. They've lost the vision. They know, we all know the, vi- the projections are exactly that, but he's just grinding, and that guy is such a grinder to this day, and guess how much money he put in? Tiny little bit. So, I like investors that align with, with my style or my approach, my philosophy, but depending on what they're... If you're investing in biotech, probably more formal would be a good idea. The businesses I do are highly creative, technical, right? So, so my style works for that. I wouldn't work... Real estate, no. They, I couldn't pitch the way I pitch. You're
1: really Minnesota. personal
0: when you pitch, you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Very personal. I am not a big... I think formality is just a facade. I really do. Um, Because, you know, when you really get down to it with somebody, their um... Defenses are low. (laughs) Yeah, it's a ninja move. It's one of my secret ninja moves. No, um, it's, um... While they're they're down, I fucking just... (laughs) um, (laughs) I take take out my my blow dart, I knock them out, and I steal their wallet. Um... No, I, I look, I, it's just a style thing. I just, I just want to have... See, the reason you want investors you resonate with, because when shit does go sideways, and it will, you got to call them up and go, hey, shit just went sideways. Right. And you want to be able to tell them honestly. So, and this is sort of a business style thing. The more transparent, the more honest you can be with people, in my opinion, the better. I think, you know, if you look at a guy like Richard Branson, who I was lucky enough to sit next to and have dinner with in Japan... That guy is so goddamn informal, it's hilarious. You know, I had asked him at the time, I just sold my company, and Mark Yamamoto, my best friend, built Virgin Cinema, so Richard Branson flew in to open the theater, and Mark's like, I sat you next to Richard. And we had not the Prime Minister of Japan, but one guy down, and I got to sit next to Richard Branson, and then on the other side of him was the, Prime Min- the one guy down the Prime Minister. It's a pretty awesome table. And so I said to Richard Branson, said, hey, um, Richie, no, I didn't say it. Because um, um, I'm pretty informal. Uh, no, that's not true. I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm in awe of the guy, okay? So I said to him, hey, you know, I w- had a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. And, and it, it's like, you know, how do I know when is the right time, you know, like to have kids and the right time to maybe start another company? And, you know, when's, like, how do I, right? And he's just like, the right time? He says, it's never the right time. It's always the right time. Just do shit. <laughs> And that was it. You're like, wisdom. I'm like, damn, you just, whoa. <laughs> He's like, look, he goes, what are you waiting for? There's never a right time. There's never a right time. It's always the right time. You know? So another really wise guy asked once, and I'm, when I mean wise, I mean the smartest, most profound dude I have ever met. I said, so, um, you know, I was asking this deep spiritual, this is a sidebar, by the way. Um, I asked him a question. I was like, so, you know, I wanted to ask you about like your opinions on like death and something I'm I'm asking like this deep question, right? On death and like what happens, you know, what are your thoughts on what happens after we die? Right? It's a pretty awesome question. Right? It's pretty awesome, I think. He's like, so you're dead, right? Why do you care? (laughs) You're dead. And you're not... You're dead. Why do you care what happens? It's like, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> S- I'm serious. That's it. I was like, okay, that's some deep shit. Um, remember I was talking about Twitter and short emails? There you go. Um, all right, so this is the sequence I would follow. Now, I want to have a serious um, uh, caveat here. It doesn't mean I do it. I have fucked this up Royally. Uh, I'm just checking on time here. <laughs> I'm like, no, I've got to do emails. Um, well, I'm getting down to one-letter emails. A. Um, <laughs> God, that Seth guy. It's, yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so the sequence I would follow, we talked about the chair, right? So I have the idea. I've talked to customers. I've pitched them. I've shared the idea, Right. I may have had them sign a non-disclosure agreement if I was paranoid about patent. I might even had I fi- might have filed a really rookie patent on docs on some sort of a legal site just so I had a patent pending, just something, right? Because I don't have the money to, to sport up for a patent for a mechanical patent for chairs, but I'm gonna I need something, right? So I'm gonna spend thirty bucks online and, and file anything, right? Just something to mark that I came up with the damn. The drawings are lame. Whatever. should do it. So I go out and pitch customers, and I'm clear that I'm solving a problem, and I'm clear it's an aspirin. I may not be clear. I, may be like, I think it might be an aspirin. It's an aspirin for some people. It's not an aspirin for other people, but good enough. And they're willing to pay for it, right? So now, now's a good time. Now worry about your name and your logo and your business cards and all that in your URL. I mean, how many, and I'm totally guilty of this, how many come up with ideas and like, I'm going to call it Thunderbolt. Oh, wow, I've got a great idea. That's the greatest name ever. And then, oh, I've to, yeah, i got to check online. i got the logo, and i business cards, and i got to have business cards, and then I've got an email address, and i got to set up the website. Shit. Man, it's, so, it's such a pain. You know, who am I going to have to do the website? You're wasting your time. You know, in business today, you can use a Gmail address. Who cares? Get off of it, move on, execute the damn idea. Remember, idea, execution, spend your time executing. Don't get stuck in shit that's going to get handled anyways. So you got your executive summary, you dealt with your name, your legal logo. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not going through any of that, though I could, because you can find it all out online in like three minutes and way better than I could ever describe it, right? But it's not hard. And then that little dotted line, you start to get in that territory of the lean startup mentality, the minimum viable product, all the stuff you guys have been learning or are learning, right? I'm not going to grind through all that. I could talk about it for hours because really this last year has been a big learning experience for me in lean startup methodology because I came out of the service business which is grind over every detail and it was just super ineffective. (laughs) Costs a lot of money. Okay, so here's, I'm going to share some personal stuff. So... What kind of sports do you like to play? I like, I grew up playing tennis. Then I surfed. Then I went to college. And then I like stand-up paddle surfing now, surfing, tennis, all individual sports. I I am an individual sports dude. I don't, teams I'm not real good on. Should be a little bit of a clue. I'm probably not a good partner. What sport? Are you a better team player or are you a better individual sport person? So, <sighs> partnerships are generally difficult because there's two people. That's one of those profound statements right there. Um, having one cook in the kitchen, for me, works best. I have effed that up multiple times. And I am in the middle of splitting with my business partner. Hence the personal part. Some people are wired to work well together. I am not one of them. I am great at leading a team. I am great at inspiring a team. I am great at keeping the entire company together and having a great time doing it. And committed and on fire and going in the same direction I know I'm good at it because I did it with 50 people and I still get Christmas cards and thank yous and emails to this day. So I know I was good at something. And I, So I'm, I'm an individual guy. Figure out what you are. You might be a great team player. But don't partner with somebody who's not a great team player. Don't partner with a, a guy. Find, literally ask him, so what sports are you into? Oh, yeah, football, soccer, uh, Water lacrosse. <laughs> anything, anything, man. Teams, man, I'm all about the team. Find into it. Right? Good guy to partner with. Water lacrosse. That, that's the next thing I'm going to take on after the chairs in the airport. Um. See, I told you I come with a lot of ideas. I will not do one of my little summaries on it. Mm. So, Save yourself years of trouble. Look, lawsuits, threats of lawsuits, partnership disagreements are highly stressful. Highly stressful. It's like a divorce. Not a good use of time. How do you resolve a conflict? So... One, admit there's a conflict. How many times do you have a conflict with somebody? Fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to them. <laughs> Send them a freaking email. Right? Okay? Stupid move. Hey, listen, man. I'm having, I'm, I got a conflict. I don't know how to talk about it. I need, I'm just telling you I got a conflict. Okay? Step one. Two. Tell them what you're committed to. Listen, I'm really committed to working this out so it's win-win. And I'll do whatever it takes to stay in it till it's a win-win. And I'm going to stay, and I, that, you can count on me for that. I'm not going to go sideways on you. You got to take the high road. Three, email is really dangerous. Actually, this advice is good for any relationship. Actually, now I'm realizing it. Damn it. Honey, there's a conflict. Um, it's actually pretty good, yeah. And i like, oh, this is really good. Okay, honey, there's a conflict. I'm committed to working this out. I'm not going anywhere. Right? with, right? The same thing. That's profound. Um, <laughs> but this is really simple steps, right? But nobody teaches you this shit, and then you get in a, in, a, in a disagreement, and then you fall back into survival. And you guys and me and human beings in survival suck. We do stupid shit. Because we feel threatened. And when you feel threatened and cornered, you send stupid emails. Motherfucker. (laughs) You know, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say it this way, right? I'm going to say it, cool, you're the stupid, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say it, I'm taking the high motherfucking road. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, bullshit, and you're going to end up you're gonna, it's going to take forever the cleanest way to handle things admit there's a problem, tell the other person you're committed to it try to avoid email, communicate I hate the phone I hate the phone, and the reason I hate the phone is because when I was four years old my father called me to tell me that he had moved out and was not living at our house anymore and from that day forward I fucking hate the phone I mean, I, you call me I will not call your ass back I will text you. I will text you, but I won't call you. And this is true. There's only a few people I'll talk to on the phone. So I always wonder, I was like, why don't I like the damn phone? You know? I was doing one of my self development courses and I was like, man, my dad left when I was four. Motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. He called that he called that in. That's why I hate the damn phone. You know? Good insight. So, but, so what I do is I force myself to get on the phone. Hey, listen, you know what? Let's talk this out, let's meet in person. Super uncomfortable for me. Makes me sweat, makes me stress out. I do not like it. But the price of the alternative is so bad, when you get an email communications in business, there's so much room for misinterpretation that it is just terrible. Unless you're on very good terms and something goes sideways, Pick up the damn phone immediately or go visit the person. You want to save yourself a lot of stress and a lot of life and a lot of joy and have more joy in your life? Do that. Same thing with, I guess, breaking up or something. Yeah. And then have somebody to talk to in relationships. It might be girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, or friend in business. It's called an advisor. Hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Here's how I think it would be fair. And no, it's not really that fair, dude. Or, yeah, dude, you're giving him a crazy deal. Or, whatever. You need perspective. Now, I love this last one. I like to try to do deals where you set out a term sheet and you go, I'll take either side. Which one do you want? Greatest deal, greatest fairness test ever. Because if you're not willing to take either side of the deal, it's probably not fair. Probably weighted one side of the other. Now, look, I'm a unifier. Remember the P.S. I love you? I'm a unifier, so I'm all like, let's bring it all together here, right? So there are guys in business who are not unifiers. Like, well, screw you. I'm going to get the best deal I can because when, when they were four, they got screwed out of a deal, and now they like to screw other people out of a deal. Their dad didn't call. They got screwed at a carnival or something, right, <laughs> for five bucks and their pop gun broke or whatever. So their wiring might be, I'm going to get the best side of the deal. But for me, my style is, I like to present a deal that on both sides you could go either way because then I know that it's fair. Does that make sense? So say you want to split something up. I'll take this side or this side. You choose which one works for you. Great, great. Really, really, I think it's something I learned that's really, really valuable. Okay. Um, let me check the time. Tools of awesomeness. Does anybody have any questions right now? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Um, I'm studying studio art, among other things. Yeah. And uh, essentially trying to make money off creativity. Yep. And uh, I'm kind of skeptical on school. I think I, if I was working in the field, I could make more money rather, rather than drowning in debt right now. Uh-huh. What do I do? <laughs> God, I am so the wrong dude for that one. Uh, yeah, I'm a big. Ex- I'm as a. I'm a very experiential person. I like. Um, I learn really, really fast. Right, but I learn only really fast when I can see things. If I can mirror somebody, I learn so fast. I don't. You don't have to explain anything. I'm like, got it, got it, got it. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I got it. You put me in a class. I'm like, uh, what, what? what? I can't. Uh, like, you know, serious brick wall. So depending on how you're wired, you may be more of a person that's good out in the world. You know. And maybe the answer is go out and whether it's an internship, a weekend, something, go explore that. And if you find yourself really accelerated there and kicking ass and, and you know really enlivened, maybe that's your clue. Um, I everybody's different. I am as you can tell, I'm biased for being out in the real world doing things. So my advice is going to be Stray on that side. But you've got to find it for yourself. And the way to do it is go out in the world and do an internship, to take on a part-time job, something, and find check it out. See if you're resonating. I don't... I, in the creative field, nobody has ever once asked me, so what degree do you have? They're like, is your shit awesome or is it not? And if it is, you got the work. TV, movies it's all based on the quality of your work. And it's and it's a little bit it's also based a little bit on you showing up and persistence too. So I don't know. You got to look at where you think you want to go, see how a degree fits into that, and then make your decision. I wish I you know, my my answer is like, yeah, screw it. But, you know, I'm not you. Mm-mm. She asked if I had regret for dropping out of school, and you know I would know I had regret if I had of dropping out of school. If now I felt like I wanted to go back to school, but um, the experience I've had, the experiencing, experiences I'm having, I'm I don't have that pull. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm very informal. I'm not impressed by degrees. I'm impressed by results. So for me, it's kind of like, you know. But maybe at some point I would. I don't know. Yeah. What are you going to do that mis- you found out your business is a vitamin? Great question. Her question was, "What are we going to do now that we found out our business is a vitamin?" So what I did is I went back to my customers and I said, "What are your biggest problems?" So I did the exercise we just did with the chairs with my customers. What are your problems? What are your concerns? Well, my biggest problem is that once the customer is booked in the hotel, we, um, we, don't have another, we don't have any other way to generate more revenue from them. They're handed off to us and, and we, don't, we don't have a relationship necessarily. We have to form it and we don't know how to drive more revenue when they're on site. Number one problem. Number two problem was uh, making sure they were loyal to the brand. Number three problem was uh, staff turnover. So we went, okay, do we have anything in our tool set that if we got rid of everything else, because it's all vitamins, and found the aspirin, would do the work. And what we launched was our chat feature under a very large premise that that could solve a very interesting pain point. It could drive revenue, problem one, and increase loyalty, number two. And we're testing it. And we may be wrong. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. But I'm telling you, you know... I've been pretty damn humbled by being wrong a lot and think oh, I'm totally right. You know, and not being. It's really humbling. <laughs> Especially when it's your money too, you know. Mm. Worse when it's an investor's money. You know. I I wish I wasn't wired this way, but I feel such a profound responsibility to my investors that I make huge pack personal sacrifices to the business on behalf of my investors. Way more than, than I should be, but I do it because that's just it's what I do, which is not always the smartest, but okay. What else? Yeah. Um, I had a question about, you talked about not giving your beta version out for free. Uh-huh. But what if you're trying to make a process more efficient uh-huh. and you also want to restructure their habits uh-huh. in order for them to see that it is efficient okay. then, for instance, get hooked on the project and then see the value in it? Mm-hmm. So yep. you're having to outsource and pay for somebody else's work in the case for you. Absolutely. And that's that why it's addition, called beta, yeah. Um, if you're looking to try and generate revenue through advertising, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need your, those customers to pay for the product as front of Valid. You just want them to use it. Totally valid. So in that case, you're saying it would be okay to give the beta person out. Sure. sure. That's, your business model is not asking the beta person to pay, right? Right, that's fine. It's valid. I mean, you know, it's it's a red flag. Don't be under, like... It's, like, it's a little bit like, we're going to have a million users, then we're going to monetize them. I met with a VC firm in New York. I won't name them. And, uh, God, this guy was such a piece of work. Um, I said, so what do you do for fun? I collect companies. <laughs> it's like... It's like and I will not be part of that. Um, every single company on his roster was about—he uh, calls it big data, right? Big data—is that the phrase? people Big data? I huh? I know who you're talking about. You do? Okay, cool. Um, so, um, his thing was—his thing was—it's all about monetizing big data. I'm like, look, dude, I don't get it. I'm not that smart. I don't get it. Doesn't resonate with me. Good luck. I don't know, some people want to build businesses where they're like, someday it'll monetize. You know, it's not me. So I'll answer some more. I'm going to give you guys some tools of awesomeness. (laughs) This is a really inspirational thought leader. And um, this is the mindset you've got to be in if you want to be champion. (laughs) Any more questions? That's it. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I will give you tools of awesomeness. Go ahead. Uh, with regards to what you were talking about earlier, about how you should have customer survey information when yep. you have a prototype, yeah. uh, I was unclear on what you would do if you were like, in a Henry Ford type of situation yeah. where they can't really visualize what it is without a prototype. Yeah. Yeah, there, again, there's a lot of stuff I say is like finites, the way that it is, and it's, it, there's a lot of room for movement. So when you're dealing with prototypes, like a great example would be uh, Nike. They don't do focus groups. Apple, don't do focus groups. They don't, believe in the cust- in the cust- they don't believe their customer knows better than they do. What they do is they build products that they would use that inspire them. Totally valid way to do it. Totally valid. If you're building a software company and you want people to pay you for it and you don't have a track record and you don't have money behind you, not so valid. You have money and you have a clear problem that you're improving upon, variation on, etc., you can find your way there. Now, in terms of building expensive prototypes, yeah, that, that presents a different you have to go at it a different cut, you know, a different way. I don't know if I answer your question, but what I'm saying is there's different ways you've got to come at it. Right? It's like if you're fighting an army versus a single ninja. So So one of the most important things is we talked about, ask your customers, really listen. I'm going to teach you guys something that I learned pretty early on, and uh, this is very valuable. And also very good for relationships, too. Um, I should be a relationship, um, (laughs) whatever they call it, a host, whatever. So I used to think that speaking was where power came from in a relationship. You know, somebody enters the room, oh, I am in charge, what I learned was that where real power comes from is listening, but not listening like you listen right now, I would argue you probably don't know how to listen. Interesting. You listen, we have different levels of listening, okay? Listening to hear versus listening to get your damn opinion in. Most people listen like this, or just say something to me. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. And then, uh-huh, right? That's how we listen, but we don't. So that's how we listen, because I'm already knowing what I'm going to say. I'm waiting for. I'm going to. I'm going to wait till waiting I can say. I'm waiting to talk, right? That's how we work. So watch yourself. It's pretty fun, um, but that's not listening. That's waiting to say something. So you're not going to learn a hell of a lot. So there's this thing called emptying the cup, and I learned it because um, I did this job. I messed up the job. The guy screamed at me. He told me I'd never work in this town again. I didn't know what I did, but I know I royally screwed up. I went into his office. It was the head of the FX networks in L.A. I went into his office. He closed the glass door, big you know glass office, and he just railed at me for a half an hour. Like every word you, you screwed up our airtime or this or that, you will never work in this town again. Do you understand? Do you even understand what time code is? Do you understand what bars and tone are? Do you have any clue? You know, are you that done? I mean, just gone. And I So after you finished, needed some air, right? Took a break. Instead of trying to explain myself, I said, This is a good question. Remember this. Is there anything else? Yeah, you know what, motherfucker, there is something else. (laughs) And then he went on again. And after that, I said, Is there anything else? said, yeah, as a matter of fact, there is. And I said, okay, I hear you. Is there anything else? He said, no, I actually appreciate you coming in here. It shows real courage. It's really cool. So he went from so angry, he he didn't want to hear me, to, I don't know what you would call it, um, conversation. I thanked him, and I walked out. Three years later, that guy asked me for a job my company had become so big and so successful that he came in and asked me for a job. That came from emptying the cup, which is a, I use this in the other talk, but when, remember I was talking about listening right here? So the story is this Japanese master receives this professor and he starts pouring some tea and he starts to spill over the cup, overflowing it. And the, the professor says, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no, no, more, no more tea will go in. And the Zen master said, well, like this cup, you're so full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? So, to be really effective in conflict, in business, in relationship, empty, do, do yourself a favor. Empty the other person's cup. You want to know how to manage people really well? Empty the cup. Let them, is there anything else? I'm really pissed off. Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Is there anything? Okay, I hear you. That's it. Analysis paralysis, this is something I've struggled with. Be on the playing field. You know, like when you're in your head about an idea. Oh, it's the greatest idea, and you're doing business plans, and you're doing business cards, and you're on the internet. It's all, you're wasting time. Just realize that, I shouldn't say it, you're not wasting time. You're... Are not on the playing field. You're preparing for the game. Know that you're preparing for the game. You're not on the playing field, where the real results happen, are on the playing. F- Too many people spend their time in the bleachers commenting about business. Where you're, re- where you're going to really learn something is on the playing field. On the playing field is talking to customers. Get on the playing field. <laughs> um, Have you ever guys anybody ever gone streaking? If you haven't, I highly encourage it. Um, because it's a lot like being in business. It's what it feels like. It really feels like, sometimes when you go into meetings, it's like taking off your clothes and going, I'm here. I mean, that's, it feels like that. But it's such a thrill when you do it and you start running down the street, you feel this incredible joy and high. Right? So if you're in your head, for those of you who have streaked, or for those you have not streaked, if I said we're going streaking after this class, you would say you're insane and your brain would start going, but is he serious? Is he fucking serious? He can't be serious. Is he serious? I can't do it. I mean I'm not gonna go. Never know I'm gonna, right? Your brain goes cuckoo, right? We will find out after the class if I'm serious. But same thing in business. You got an idea, you want to go talk to somebody, your brain goes cuckoo, like you're like like you're gonna you know, go streaking, like you shouldn't go in there, you shouldn't talk to anybody, and your your brain will talk you out of stuff. Jump, go, shut your mind up, take action, 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 action. Out of your head, streak. That's what it feels like. You know you're doing the right thing when you're pushing yourself. You're on the right you're in the right territory. If you're safe, you're not an entrepreneur for sure. Breakdowns. How well, remember I talked about how well you handle breakdowns? You, you, business looks like this. I get an idea and it's red because I'm super excited. And then I go on the website and I find out there's 5,000 chair manufacturers that distribute to airports. That's a breakdown. Or I find out that, I don't whatever. You know, you, you, oh, the URL isn't available. Or somebody else is already doing it. What, I don't know, whatever. Come up with your drama that you're going to come up with. And you're like, oh, it's such a huge breakdown. But you stick through it. And then there's an opening. Oh, I have a friend who does that. They actually own the airport in San Francisco. Why don't you just pick up the phone and call them? Oh, no, I'm high. I'm excited. You guys actually are interested? I can come up there and talk to you? Now I'm excited. I go talk to him, he's like, oh yeah, the 20-foot regulation thing. You can't, we can't have anything against that wall fire regulations. Right? Ah, oh, shit. Right? So that's what it's like. But in, in a macro standpoint, what business, this is what business looks like. Your ability to manage breakdowns and bounce off of them is it. Remember I said how well you are under pressure? Remember when I saw how you behave? That's the same thing. You, in a single day, you will have breakdowns, you'll have breakthroughs. In a single week, you will have more of macro breakdowns, breakthroughs. This week alone, today's what, Thursday? This week alone, and I was sharing with John on the way in here, I have been learning so much. I have had so many breakthroughs and breakdowns in single days, I know I'm on the right track. I'm talking crazy breakthroughs. Like, holy shit, I've been waiting for this to happen. For a long time, and it's happening. In the same 24 hours, you know, I was telling John, I had an investor who uh, said, oh, "I FedExed you the check, 150,000 bucks, and um, it didn't show up." And I thought oh, well, the check didn't show up, but it's FedEx. So I'll track it. Never got sent. Well, that's interesting. Oh, you're in New York. Why are you in New York? Oh, you you run a public company. Oh, the public company's in the deep. You know. Deep shit. Oh, you can't invest right now. Small problem. Oh, that's funny. My staff needs to get paid. So, 24 hours. That's what it looks like. Your ability to handle breakdowns. How fast you can fall off the horse and get back on is how fast you can move. Right? Be unreasonable. Um, You guys need to practice being unreasonable. And what I mean by being unreasonable is that the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. And therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. Very true. People will call you some version of either um, crazy, you know, get a job, whatever they're going to say about it. Being unreasonable, going the extra mile, asking for more, having more conversations is... This is a critical ingredient to being a good entrepreneur: is being unreasonable. Let me check the time. How much? Five to ten minutes? Yeah, my phone's dead. That's awesome. Um, All right, I might come back to the monks. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, All right, so being unreasonable. I'm at the. We have this trade show. We're a tiny company, ten people, Los Angeles. We're trying to figure out how to break into the field. So I go out and I hire six actors. Dress them up as Tibetan monks. Okay? Because we can afford paying for booths and all that crap, which I think are, I have a whole other opinion about that. So I get these guys at this trade show, three-day trade show, to walk around the perimeter for the first day. Okay? That's all they do, first day. Second day, same thing. Big fuel medallion. Big fuel down, Fuel. Fuel. Fuel, right? People are like, what the? Third day, culmination, big keynote speak. Now they're making eye contact. They're handing out stickers. They're chanting fuel. They're smiling at people. People like them. People like monks, by the way. I didn't know that. But now they're them. Like, oh, it's a monk. Let's hug it out, you know? So people are taking pictures with them. Right? Tiny company. These are all the head ne- heads of every major TV network around the globe are at this damn thing. Keynote session. Thou- I don't know how many. Thousand people maybe? Huge room. The guy goes, what is up with these monks? This fu- Who is this fuel? What, is the- what are these fuel monks? <laughs> and I was like, my work is done. So everybody knew my company name. That next week, when my salesman started hitting the calls and I started calling, we had, We were on fire. Oh, wow, that was genius, you guys. That was great. You guys really get branding. Yeah, do you guys want to bid on this? Do you? And all of a sudden, just... Poof. Why? Because we were unreasonable. We were willing to risk looking stupid, and we, we, we went for it. Being unreasonable, you got to go for it. Safe? Being safe is not going to work out real well for you. Right? The more unsafe... Well, let me rephrase this. The more unreasonable you can be, the more you can stretch, the more outrageous you can be, excellent. Do it. So, and you can't figure this this whole thing out in advance. I hear so many people go, oh, I'm going to make this plan and it's going to go as planned. It will not go as planned. So when you write your plan, realize it's total, it's like writing a fairy tale. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen some other way. It might happen way better than your story. probably will. So, shut up and start. Have the courage to fail. Stop your brain Stop reasons why not. Go. Sometimes you just got to get back in the fucking game. So the exercise I want to give you guys, whoever's up for it, and then we got to add streaking onto here, which is just it's awesome. Um, so you know when you want to ask somebody out and they're out of your league and you're just like, they're, you know, they're straight up out of my league. I'm not going to ask them out. Right? It's not going to happen. It's, You're going to, this week, your assignment is go ask them out. Okay? You can take one of these on. If you guys take one of these things on, you will expand your capacity for awesomeness. You will expand your capacity to be successful. These are tools that you want right now in college. You want to expand your capacity to be successful. These are things that can help you later. You want to speak, speak to, if you're scared of speaking to people, go speak to three people. If it's no big deal for you, don't do it. Do the hardest one you got on here. Take on a hobby you're afraid of. You don't want to jump out of an airplane? Go jumping out of a damn airplane. Do what you're afraid of. Because in business, you will have to do the right thing that you're afraid of to be successful. you got to do the right thing. Always. Unless you're like a drug cartel. (laughs) Like I said, it's not always true. Um, Call a hero of yours. Plan a trip that challenges you. Climb Mount Baldy, I don't know, Mount Everest. Do something. Make a commitment. Do one action this week that challenges you. If this resonates with you, if you're scared right now, I'm like, oh shit, this is a little uncomfortable, I'm talking to you. This is, you need to be, you need to expand your capacity to deal with challenge. If you shy away from being unreasonable, when you are in business, you will shrink. You need to become a yes. And be a yes for one week to everything. Try it. It will feel awesome. You will meet people that you, had, you would have never met. You will learn things you wouldn't have learned. You will go places you would have never gone. Your mom calls you up. Oh, would you go to this bar mitzvah? Yep, I'm going. <laughs> that would be like the worst yes ever, but I'd say it. I really don't like bar mitzvahs. So that's my point. Say yes. Become, there's, you, ever, you guys ever heard of the yes current? Anybody? Yes, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. So quick summary. Have a really big why, why you're doing it, and it can't be about the money. If it's about the money, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Guys. Can you guys quiet down? Hey, seriously. Qualities that you got to have to be successful. you got to have focus, follow through, and stamina. Third, got to find the right idea comes from doing what you love, generally. Go out and pitch customers first. Make sure it's an aspirin. Ask your question, is it an aspirin or a vitamin? Find your aspirin. Keep your communications short and to the point. Know that investors are looking for an aspirin. Follow the sequence. Follow whatever sequence you can, but don't get lost in the minutia. Get onto the playing field. Partnerships, not easy. Some people are fit. Some people aren't. I'm not. You might be. Look at it. Conflict, we talked about how to resolve it. We talked about the seven tools of awesomeness, and we are basically done. Mm -hmm.